How's everybody this morning? Good. Man, we got some exciting things we need to talk about this morning. Before we went too far, though, I thought we better kind of rehash some of the things we talked about. So, in order to do that, I put a PowerPoint back there. Betty, you see the PowerPoint? Would you flip her up? We'll take a look. Holy Spirit 101, welcome to the class this morning. A lot of people have a lot of ideas about what it means when the Holy Spirit is empowering your life. We talked about several things last time, and so I just wanted to reiterate those. So if we flip over to the next slide, you'll see uh, the scripture references and the things that we talked about. First, we see that the Holy Spirit helps us speak when we are in a precarious situation and we need to bear witness. And the scriptures that indicate that that's what the Holy Spirit will do for us are there on the screen. Mark 13, 11, Luke 12, 12. Next, the counselor teaches and reminds us of what we need to know and remember. He's our comforter, our advisor, our encourager, and our strength. He guides us in the way that we should go. Several scripture references are available for you there. Next, from the Spirit we receive power to be God's witnesses to the ends of the earth. It is the Spirit who draws people to the gospel. The Spirit who equips us with the strength we need to accomplish God's purpose. The Holy Spirit not only initially draws people to God, He also draws believers closer to Jesus. Scripture references for those are available on there as well. By the way, if you want the slides later, you can have them. you want my notes later, you can have them. If you need those references, they're available for you. Next slide we got. By the power of the Spirit, we put to death the misdeeds of the body. The Spirit sets us free from the sins we cannot get rid of on our own. It's a lifelong process we enter into in partnership with the Holy Spirit when we first believe, Romans 8, 2. Again, this is evidence. Holy Spirit in your life. Holy Spirit moving and working within you. Next, through the Spirit, we have received the Spirit of adoption as children, which leads us into intimacy with the Father. Instead of a relationship based on fear and slavery, the Spirit bears witness to us that we are His children. Romans eight fifteen through 16. Next thing we see that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. He does this both before we initially enter into the right relationship with God and as we journey through this life as believers. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. Evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Next we see that the Spirit brings us life and freedom. Where the Spirit is, there is freedom, not bondage or slavery. In our world that is plagued with death, it's a profound truth that points us to a real hope. Our hope in experienced in our life through the Holy Spirit. Next we see that by the power of the Holy Spirit we abound with hope because our God is a God of hope who fills His children with all joy and peace. We experience joy and peace as a result of the Holy Spirit being manifested, empowering our life. Next, we see as members of God's kingdom and community, each of us is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the purpose of the common good. We all have something to offer because of what the Spirit gives us. That is what 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 are all about. The pneumaticon is the word utilized there for spirituals. 
Some people in, in your Bibles there will be in italics the word gifts. The word gifts isn't there. What is there is pneumaticon. Pneumaticon is the same word from which we get pneumatic. You know when you have an air tool? How do you make that air tool work? By the air blowing through it. How does God make us work? By his spirit blowing through us. Empowering us to be the men and women God wants us to be. He gives to each of us that manifestation of his spirit. And finally, the fruit of being led by the spirit of God includes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that will follow the life of a believer walking in the spirit. Now, as we look at these, as we talked about these last time, that the whole point of, of looking at them, and as we've been discussing Acts chapter 10, and really, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, oops, forgot, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 19, every one of those chapters is built around the concept of either the baptism of or the overflow or filling of the Holy Spirit. I want to know if that's occurring in my life. I want to know if that's happening. I want to know if I'm living the life empowered by God's Holy Spirit to be the man God wants me to be. These that we've talked about, among some others, are evidence. Evidence. Well, I could just make it easy. Some places just make it easy and say, if you speak in tongues, you have the Holy Spirit. Or we could talk about what the Bible says. These are evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. This morning, as we continue to kind of dive into the question of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we're going to take a, a journey. You're going to journey with me. We're going to walk through the scripture and through the section of Acts up to Acts chapter 10 where we're at. And we're going to take a look and discuss what is required. If I don't have these things in my life, last week we had opportunity. If people felt like they had never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, come up and pray. That's how we receive the Holy Spirit. But the Bible does tell us that there are some requirements. There are some issues that need to be addressed in our life if we're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if you have ever been empowered already, if you've already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you're lacking power today, there is a reason why the power of the Holy Spirit is lacking in our life. So these are some of the things that we're going to take a look at Today, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 is where we will begin our journey. John 14, beginning at verse 16. If you would join me there, you can kill the slide, Betty. We're done with that. And if somebody needs it after, I can get it for them. John 14, 16, words in red. Jesus Christ is talking, he's speaking to us about the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. John 14, 16, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he that he will abide with you forever. That's a long time, right? Forever. He's always going to be with you. Verse 17, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus telling them about the coming uh, Holy Spirit, the empowerment of God. He says, he talks to about two of the things that the Holy Spirit's going to do in their life. And he describes them in these Greek prepositions. First, he said, the Holy Spirit is what? With you. 
with you. The word with you, he's, he's going to be para in the Greek. He's going to be alongside. Does anyone come to faith in Jesus Christ apart from the Holy Spirit drawing them? The Bible says no. The Holy Spirit is with us all. He is here giving evidence, convicting the unbeliever of sin, wooing unbelievers to Jesus Christ. He is with us. But then Jesus goes on to say, He is with you now, but He will be in you. The Greek preposition used there is in. It means exactly what it means in English. In. He'll be inside of you. When does that take place? In John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on the disciples after the resurrection, and He said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. When God, in Genesis 1-1, said, Let there be light, what happened? The Bible says light was. When Jesus said, receive you the Holy Spirit, they received the Holy Spirit. The second preposition. The same way every believer who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ receives the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our guarantee, our seal of perfection, that we have been anointed, called, saved. He's in us. The Bible says that your body is what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. But as we continue looking at Scripture, I just want to invite you to to turn to the right. And as you turn to the right, you're going to come... Actually, you need to turn to the left first. Go to Luke 24. Luke 24. It's a little out of order, but you guys will get the idea. Luke 24. More words in red. Luke 24, 49. Words in red. Jesus says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's the third Greek preposition. I send the promise of my Father upon you. Epi. Epi. With, in, upon. Upon carries the idea of of overwhelmed. Um, the per- perfect picture is if you had a, a picture of water on a table with a hose in it. And that pitcher fills up with water, but you don't turn the water off. What happens? The water flows out and it begins to affect everything around it, right? It gets the table wet, the tablecloth. That is what it means to have the Holy Spirit upon you, overwhelm you, to, to outpour from your body. The Holy Spirit will come Upon you, Jesus says, in Luke twenty four forty nine. When? He says, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. This power, the epi, the overflow, the overwhelming of the Holy Spirit, it will come. You wait until it comes. The power. It was coming for a specific day to fulfill prophecy. We turn to our right to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We have, again, words in red. Who are we seeing here? We're seeing Jesus telling his disciples. He says in Acts 1.8, But you shall receive dunamis, dynamite power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, overwhelmed you, overflowed, epi, the empowerment, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in your life, in power to affect the world around you. The Holy Spirit's there. 
in the disciples already. The baptism. What is the picture of baptism? What happens in baptism? We take a body and what do we do with it? We immerse that body where? In water, right? We immerse that body. So totally covered, totally overwhelmed by the water. Agreed? And then we lift them up out of the water. To speak of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to speak of the same thing. Overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in every pore, every essence, filling you so that you affect the environment around you. Acts 1.8, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. At, for what purpose? For you shall be my witnesses for, to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28? Go and make disciples of all men, right? That would be the same thing, wouldn't it? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and the ends of the earth, the same concept. Going and baptizing men in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. The power to fulfill what God's asking us to do comes when we are living in the epi of the Holy Spirit. I can exist in the end. I can function as a believer and... Do nothing. I can just subsist and hang out and do the thing, punch the card. But I'm not ever going to experience the power to be his witness. His witness is what we're looking for, to be the power to be his witness. Well, in Acts, from Acts 1.8, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 4. We know that they're waiting for... The baptism of the Holy Spirit. What's it say in Acts 4? And they were all, what's the word used? Filled. Synonymous terms. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was the Spirit empowering, overwhelming the believers on the day of Pentecost. We know that the the people around the area heard the rushing wind and so they came running to see what was that rushing wind. The, the, The idea... In the Greek, that rushing wind is like the sound of a tornado. You ever been close to a tornado? Well, we know in Idaho, we've heard the wind howl, right? Well, imagine being on a perfectly calm day, hanging out with your friends, everything's cool, you're enjoying the, the feast of Pentecost, and then suddenly you hear that sound like a tornado. And people are running to see what was that, what just happened. And when they get there, they see these 120 disciples speaking in tongues, praising God, and then Peter stands before them and begins to preach the word. What did God just do? He poured out his Holy Spirit upon them in power so that they could be his witnesses. He utilized at least two different manifestations of the Spirit according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy on the day of Pentecost. As Peter shared As Peter gave the message. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter uh, completes that message, the scripture tells us then, Peter said to them in verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And what's he say? You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The moment they do that, the Holy Spirit is in them. They have... The engine to make them, you and I, a witness for Christ. The motor is there. 
Whether or not we're experiencing the epi depends more on us. God has placed the engine, the, the, the ability for us to experience the things of God. In verse 39 it says, For the promises to you, to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. The promise is to you and I, to all, to as many as the Lord our God will call. Turn the page to the right in Acts chapter 4. We go to Acts chapter 4, verse 8. We see Peter. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, what's it say? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Peter is required to be a witness once again. And before he gives utterance, the Bible says he is filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach in chapter 2. But that wasn't it. It happens again in chapter 4 verse 8. Well, Wait a minute, that's not it either. We go to chapter 4, continuing in chapter 4. Um... We come to chapter 4, verse 31. It says, And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with what? Boldness. So we have seen multiple times, multiple feelings, multiple empowerments by the Holy Spirit through Peter and the 120. Because it's not just a thing we need once. It's not just a thing we pray for one time. And I got, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think one of the, one of the, the cruel issues in it is, is we think, oh, I've received the Holy, uh, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and we think that was it. That's not it. That's, that's the kickoff of the beginning of the game. You gotta keep playing. You gotta stay in the game. You gotta stay in what God's doing, continuing to ask. Peter is praying, Lord, fill me, empower me, that I might be bold. He was bold at Pentecost. He still needs to be bold in chapter 4. But that's not the end of it. No, it's not the end of it. We, we roll over, let's open up to Acts 8. We turn a couple more pages. Acts chapter 8. We'll pick it up at verse 14. It says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they were saved, they sent Peter and John to them. For what purpose? Who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. What's verse 16 say? For as yet he had fallen, what's the word? Upon, epi, none of them. He had not overwhelmed them. The Holy Spirit was in them. They were saved. They were sealed. They were done. The deal was finished. But the empowerment to be God's witnesses, they had not received. So what happened? The the apostles came and laid hands on them and prayed for them. That's exactly what we did last week. If you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, come on, lay hands on them. We'll pray for you, anoint you with oil. And we'll ask that the Holy Spirit baptize you. Come upon you. Overwhelm you. Prepare you for service. Remember, it's not for us. It's for Him. It's so that we might be utilized by the Lord God Almighty. So the Holy Spirit comes upon them in Acts chapter 8. Turn the page. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. 
And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, Saul, he's with Saul, laying his hands on him, he said, Brother, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight, and what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He received his sight at once. He arose and was baptized. And when he had received food and was strengthened, he spent some days with the disciples, and immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues. The filling of the Holy Spirit comes upon Saul, and what's it for? To equip him for service. To be God's witness. To be the witness that God is calling him to be. We see that in Acts chapter 9. Now, we turn to where we are. In Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit, what? Fell how? Upon. Epi. Overwhelmed them. For the, for the Gentile believers in Acts chapter 10, their salvation, their indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and their overwhelming or the empowerment of the Holy Spirit all happened in a split second. That's for those of us who want to make boxes for God. And we want to say, okay, the only way God can work is if you do this, 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 you follow these things, and that's how God will do it. So God put Acts chapter 10 in there to say, I, don't, I can do it how I want. It doesn't have to be how you want. So Peter's preaching. No altar call. Nobody prays a prayer. Nobody does anything. They just believe what Peter's saying. The Holy Spirit comes in them, overwhelms them. The Holy Spirit overwhelms them. And what do they do? They begin to speak in tongues, magnifying the name of the Lord God Almighty. Now this is where we are in Acts chapter 10 currently. And I think we've been talking and seeing the movement of the Holy Spirit enough that we should pause and get a grip about what's going on, and turn away from all our preconceived ideas and say, what does the Word of God say? Not what does this church believe, or what does that church believe. I don't really care what a church believes. What I care about is what does the Word of God teach. We're not done, because this continues to happen all the way through the book of Acts. And into the epistles. As God continues to help us, to direct us, to get us to understand. So what is required for us to receive the Holy Spirit? What is required for us to receive this baptism, the empowerment of God? First thing, you got to be saved. If you're not saved, you're not going to have Him. He's not in you. He's not going to empower you. You have nothing. Salvation is of premium importance. The churches all around the world try to define salvation, but as we can see in Acts chapter 10, the simplest terms of salvation are simply that you believe. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it is that you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Throughout Scripture, we see over and over again, what did Jesus say when people came to Him? He said, repent, repent, repent. What else did He say? Follow me. Follow me. Jesus never gave us a prayer. We in the church invented the prayer. The concepts of the prayer are good. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the prayer. I prayed the prayer. 
But the point being, there's more involved than just the words that come out of my mouth. There's a change in my life. There's repentance, a turn, a renouncing of the world. We want an empowerment. We want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've got to be saved, number one. Number two, you must renounce sin. Listen, if I am living in an openly sinful lifestyle, and I am expecting just to walk in the forgiveness of God and not change my life, I will never be empowered by the Holy Spirit for service. Ever. You must renounce sin. It's repentance. It's to turn your back on a lifestyle or a thing that God has declared to you either in His Word or through His Spirit in your life convicting you of sin. That i got to turn my back on that And head in the opposite direction. If I don't do that, I will be in a place of stagnation. I won't grow, I won't develop, I won't move forward because I have not dealt with sin. Am I forgiven? Perhaps. Are you really saved if you're unwilling to renounce sin? I'm kind of doubting it. When I come to Christ and I put my faith and trust in Him, I am willing to renounce everything. Remember the rich young ruler? Remember what Jesus told him? Take all the stuff you got, all your worldly possessions, sell them, give the money to the poor, and follow me. And he went away sad, because his problem, he thought he was living a life without sin. But Jesus indicates in the story, his problem with sin was with covetousness. That's a sin that occurs on the inside that everybody can't see. That's the desire for stuff. For things. So... Jesus pointed right to the matter. We must renounce sin. If you won't renounce sin, to be honest, I'm not sure. All sin, every sin. There must be a very and thorough searching of your heart. Remember what David prayed, Psalm 139? Search me, O God, he said, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And do what? Lead me in the way everlasting. we got to renounce sin. Can't live in it. What is it that Paul said? How can we who have died to sin live any longer in it? We can't. We can't. Next, this may surprise you. The third thing that I think must happen in order to see the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life, I think you've got to be baptized. Well, wait a minute, Jackie. Uh, Acts chapter 10, those guys received the empowerment of the Holy Spirit before they were baptized. And Saul... Receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit before he was baptized. Yeah, but listen, here's what I mean by baptism. I'm not talking about the ritual that we do. I'm talking about the attitude of baptism. The attitude of baptism, the whole point behind a baptism is to say, I am ready to make a public proclamation that I am on the Lord's side. I am in the Lord's army. I am with God. That public proclamation that says, I'm living my Christianity before the world. That's what I mean by baptizo, to be immersed in Christ, in the body of Christ. Not a top secret believer. You understand what I'm saying? Not a person that nobody knows is saved, but someone who's ready to come out and say, I'm a believer. I love Jesus Christ. I want to serve Him. I want to live for Him. I want to make Him my focus. When Jesus Christ, and the the greatest example to me we're ever going to find is in Luke In Luke chapter 3, 21 and 22, you know what that's talking about? Jesus coming to John the Baptist and being baptized. What happened after he was baptized? 
The Father in heaven said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He's presenting himself to the world on that day to say, here is the Lamb of God that's taken away the sin of the world. And what happens? The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. It's an incredible picture. Having that desire to say, I'm ready for service. I'm ready to serve the Lord God. I think that's necessary to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not give you power, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit to entertain you. He doesn't. He does it to empower you. To be his witnesses. To be a tool for him. The next thing that I think is necessary for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is total surrender to the will of God. Wow. Total surrender to the will of God. Listen to what it says in Acts 5.32. We are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Total surrender to the will of God is an attitude of obedience. An attitude. I'm not talking about performance. Are you guys with me? I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is your attitude has to be I am here to do the will of the Lord God Almighty. And we are always going to struggle in that. That's why I think there are times when we are empowered and there's times when we lack power. But when we lack power, all I have to do is align my will with God's will. All I have to do is come before Him and say, Lord, I surrender my will. Take me. I'm all yours. Whatever you would have me do. That's required to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Leviticus 9.24, we see that Fire came from heaven to devour the sacrifice that was wholly consecrated to God. The burnt offering was wholly and completely given over. And when it was, fire consumed it all. If I am only putting my arm on the altar, Lord, you can have my arm. I'm not going to be empowered. If I give all of me, I am. The fire of God will consume and equip us to be the men and women God wants us to be. Total surrender to the Lord God Almighty. We are His burnt offering. Psalm 8411, I love this psalm. You may want to write it down and put it on your fridge. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly? No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Surrender of our will. The next thing I think that we need is an intense and pure desire for the Holy Spirit. Jesus in John chapter 7, he presents himself as the answer to the thirst of mankind. Last week I talked about a a 20-mile hump I went on in the Marine Corps and how thirsty we were. When they told us we could drink, it wasn't like, hey, uh, well, you know, maybe next break. No, I want water now. Water, 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 water. I want water. You ever been that thirsty? Have you ever been that thirsty for the Holy Spirit? Instead of water, 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 is it Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit? 
All those things we talked about at the beginning, the words to say, the, the movement at the conviction of sin, the movement of the Holy Spirit in someone's life to bring them to salvation. We need it. We need it like a thirsty man needs water. We must have an intense desire. If it's just like, ah, you know, it'd be kind of cool if I had it, but if I don't, you're not going to have it. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit will not be in your life. It requires an intense desire. Jesus said, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, yet the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus said, when I give you the Holy Spirit, man, he's going to pour out of you like rivers of water. What's that a picture? Is that like a tiny trickle? What do you think? A little mist that kind of comes off of us. He says, it's going to flow out of you like torrents of living water. When I see that, that is a raging river flowing out of my life of the Holy Spirit. That's empowerment. But Jesus said, you've got to come to me and say, I'm thirsty. And I will give you rivers of living water. It's got to be an intense desire. But beyond that, it's more than just an intense desire. It's got to be pure. It's got to be pure. What do I mean by it's got to be pure? It's not for me. It's not about me. It's not so that, and, and I don't really want to harp on this because I really love this gift. One of my favorite manifestations of the Holy Spirit is the gift of tongues. I speak in tongues. I love the gift of tongues. I enjoy very much the time that I can go before the Lord and the time that I spend with Him utilizing the gift of tongues. But so many people put such a weight on the gift of tongues and the focus on tongues that the focus of the baptism of the Holy Spirit becomes about me. I want, I want, I need this. I want this. I want people to see me. I want people to know that I'm arrived spiritually. That's just how we are. But we're people made with a sin nature and we struggle with that. Our intense desire for the Holy Spirit has to be for His glory so that I might glorify you, Lord God Almighty, by what I do. I need your Holy Spirit. That's a pure desire. Not a for me desire. Not a desire that I would be glorified. In in Acts chapter 8, you remember the the apostles came, laid hands on the Samaritans, and who saw it? You guys remember? Simon. Remember Simon? He saw that the guys all spoke in tongues, and Simon goes, Man, give me that gift. Here, I'll give you 20 bucks. You give it to me so I can pour it out on other people. And they said, No. What, What was the whole problem? His whole focus is on self, exalting self, not on exalting God. The Bible goes on to tell us he he, he was never even really a a true believer. Read Acts chapter 8. It lays it all out. that The desire for the Holy Spirit must be intense and pure for God's glory, not mine. Not mine. When the Lord gave me the gift of tongues, I was alone in the middle of the desert on a deserted road. God spoke to me and said, Jackie, pull over your truck. It's like 3 in the morning. I'm coming home from a long day of work. 3 in the morning. I used to, I used to paint freeways in California. So I, I'm on my way home. You don't do those, by the way, in the middle of rush hour in California. That's a bad idea. So 
We work at night. I'm coming home. The Lord says, pull over. Let's just, just spend some time together. So I pull over the side of the road. And I get into the back of my Nissan truck. I'm sitting in the back of my Nissan truck. And the Lord says to me, Jackie, lift your hands to me and pray. Now, three in the morning, there's not very many guys. I, was in, I lived in desperate hot things. Have you ever heard of that? It's desert hot springs, but we called it desperate hot things because well, there's nothing good in desert hot springs. It's like 190. Desert, not like here, right? Sand, cactus, that's it. No grass. Nothing grows there. I'm out there in the middle of no place in desert hot springs. And the Lord says, lift your hands to me and pray. And so I'm in the back of my truck. And I remember thinking, oh, Lord, I'm going to look so dumb if somebody drives by. If I sit in the back of my truck at 3 o'clock in the morning in the middle of the desert and I lift my hands and I start to praise you and somebody drives by, I am going to look so stupid. But I did it anyway. I wasn't praying that God would give me the gift of tongues. I wasn't seeking the gift of tongues. I just wanted to praise God and he gave it to me in the back of a Nissan truck in the middle of the desert. It didn't exalt me. It exalted him. Our desire has to be pure and intense. And it was like a five-second long ordeal because as soon as I started speaking in tongues, I freaked out. I jumped in the truck and drove home as fast as I could so I could wake up Kathy and tell her, you're not going to believe what just happened. I was going back. I wish I could have just hung out there a little bit longer. I wouldn't have been in such a rush. But I'm I'm thankful that God uh, has seen fit to allow me to enjoy that gift still. And I think it's a vital gift, but it can't be about me. It's got to be about Him. It's got to be about Him. The next thing we have to do, we got to ask. You want the Holy Spirit in your life? You have to ask. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, if you being evil know how to give good gifts. To your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? You have to ask. You got to go before the Lord. It has been given already, it must be appropriated. Do you understand what that means? The salvation of Jesus Christ is wrought on the cross, it has already been given, been given to the whole world. He died for the whole world. It must be appropriated by every single man, woman, and child. The gift is given. It must be appropriate. i got to lay hands on it myself. The Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is given. I must appropriate it. How do I appropriate it? I go before the Lord in prayer. Same way. Lord, give me the power of your Holy Spirit that I may honor your name. Empower me. We have to ask. We have to ask. Again, we see that in Acts chapter 8. We see them asking and the Holy Spirit coming upon the believers in Samaria. The, the last thing we got to do, we got to believe. Got to believe. Got to believe. Got to believe. A prayer without faith is worthless. That's what God's word tells us. Listen to Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. Does that mean faith's not a big deal? Sounds to me like faith's a big deal, right? 
in James 1, verse 5 through 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. Oh, you mean God will liberally, freely give wisdom to whoever asks? That's what the Bible says. Without reproach. If you ask, he'll give it. But let him ask in faith, no doubting. For if he doubts, he's like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. Nothing. Without the prayer of faith. 1 John five fourteen and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. We know we have it. Is it God's will that you are empowered by his Holy Spirit? Yes. So when I ask, will he give me the empowerment? Yes. Is it always going to feel like electricity running through my body? No. Does it change the fact that the empowerment is there? No. How will I know if the empowerment is there? Serve. Sitting in a chair in church is not the place for God to empower you to be his witness. Out there? When a friend comes to you or a neighbor comes by and, and is angry about not seeing God work or move in their life and they begin to, to say some things or voice some frustration about God, that's when you need Him. That's when you need the manifestation of the gift of prophecy. That's when you need the manifestation of the word of knowledge. That's when you need the manifestation or the pneumaticon, the empowerment of the Spirit flowing through your life to be a witness. Not to browbeat somebody who's hurt. To be able to affect like a doctor gives the right medicine to a hurting man. We are to give the right medicine to a hurting man or woman who doesn't know Jesus Christ. And the only way we can know how to do that properly is in the power of the Holy Spirit. But the church today exists without empowerment and we're satisfied. That's not okay. We're satisfied that I'm okay. I prayed the prayer, Jesus saved me. I don't really care if I'm ever used. I'm not okay with that. And I'm not sure that's a good place to be. By the way, if that happens to be the way you feel, I'm not sure the prayer worked. There's nothing in the Bible that says if you pray that prayer, you're saved. The Bible says if you confess the Lord Jesus. How do you confess the Lord Jesus? Usually a confession required you to confess him before mankind and believe in your heart. Well, we can't ever see that, can we? Except if you believe in Jesus when he says, come, what do you do? Well, if he says, go, what do you do? So, I think the evidence of the truthfulness of your prayer hinges on the evidence of the truthfulness of you being what God wants you to be. I have a lot more stuff to talk about. And no more time to do it. 
So we're going to talk about what hinders the Holy Spirit in two weeks. We've got Dwayne Parrish next week. After that, we'll talk about it. But this is what must be our attitude if we're going to receive. Do you guys understand? If we're going to receive the empowerment that we need, this must be our attitude. This morning, we have an opportunity, as we do the first of every month, for communion. But what I want to do, what we're do, we set up communion like we did the last time. If you guys were here, nobody's bringing it to you. The communion is available. We're going to worship. I'm going to invite you to come up for prayer. If the Spirit's moved in your life, we'll have Bob and, and Chris up here, if they're willing, and Dave and Kay, and uh, I don't know, whoever else wants to be a part of, of uh, our prayer team up here. If folks want to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or need to lay down or renounce sin in your life, you need to clear up some issues that you think is hindering the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life, we have opportunity to do that, to pray, to prepare our hearts properly, to receive the Lord's Supper. The body and the blood of Christ sacrificed for us. So we're going to worship, and we may do one or, or two songs of worship. We, we want to invite you as the Spirit would guide you. As you feel your heart is prepared and you've dealt with whatever the Lord laid on your heart this morning to deal with, deal with those things and then just come up and receive. Take of the, of the bread, take of the cup, sit down, stand up, go to the, wherever you want to go, kneel at the altar. It doesn't matter where you go. Just receive the Lord's Supper. Receive communion. Listen, don't despise a communion table. Don't do it. Paul said the reason many of you are Weak and sickly in your faith is because you do not observe the Lord's Supper. But he says, when you do, do it with the right attitude. We got to search our heart, be purged, not sinless, not perfect. That's not what it's about. Just have the right attitude, honoring the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Receive it and be empowered this week by the Holy Spirit to affect your world and watch God change our community. Watch God change your family. Watch God do the radical things that really aren't radical. Watch God do the things he always said he would do that maybe we've never experienced because we've never surrendered that way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for this time. Lord, we pray that you would anoint this time as we come before you in worship, as we prepare our hearts for communion, as we prepare, Lord God, for what you're doing and how you're moving in our midst. Lord God, I pray that we would have the faithfulness to come forward and pray with those who can offer, who can give unto us uh, just that touch point of faith, to pray for the baptism of the Spirit, to pray to lay down sin, or whatever thing that the Lord's convicted your heart of, to prepare your heart to receive the broken body and the blood of our Lord as we celebrate His death until He comes. Oh, Lord God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful. God, we pray that you would move in power through your Spirit in our midst this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.